All right, so episode 70 with Ryan Kitchum is about to start. And just a heads up, this episode was more about business, sales, and marketing. But Ryan is one of those people that makes it actually interesting. And even if you're not a coach and maybe you have a job as, you know, head of marketing or something, you can get something out of this episode. And I know sales and marketing sounds boring, but again, Ryan makes it interesting and fun to learn. And he just talked so much about it. And there was a lot of great information. And at the end, we also talk about his experience about uh, getting super lean for the Precision Nutrition Challenge. And let's just get right into it. And here's Ryan. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me today is Ryan Ketchum. Say hello. Hey, Rafael, and everyone listening, it is great to be here. Perfect. So I always like to start off asking my guests, what do you got planned for the weekend? Oh my God, I haven't even thought about the weekend <laughs> yet, um, which is weird because I took a I took a day off today. So I mean, we're recording on Friday, and we just got through with our big event, our annual summit. And so everybody's just wiped out. So I took uh, took this today off. And uh, this weekend, let's see. Oh, we have to go to a wedding. Um, so I'm, I think like most people, I'm not like super excited about <laughs> going to the wedding. But it'll be good to, to see some people. And uh, that's as far as my plans have, have been made so far. I'll let my, my wife tell me what the rest of our plans are and go with the flow on that. I like how you said we have to go to a wedding. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've got to travel the ways for it. It's just something like, you know, I, we've been there to support the people that are getting married. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, yeah. it's, it'll be fun. But at the time, it's like, well, it's the travel and the time. And, and sometimes you just want to like hang out and do nothing. And all weekend, so definitely I get those too. Um, so for the <laughs> hopefully audience, they don't, hopefully they don't listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for the audience, can you tell them who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry? Uh, yeah. So I'm Ryan Ketchum, and what do I do? Um, right now, I'm a, the executive director and take care of all of our sales and marketing. So I'm VP of sales and marketing, co-owner of Fitness Revolution. So we help fitness business owners grow their business, right? I mean, typically they'll come to us with with growth problems. You know, I can't find enough of the right type of client. I'm not making enough money. Uh, Systems problems where it's like, you know, uh, God, I love what I do, but there's all this chaos in in my business. Uh, Every day I'm putting out fires. I'm overworked. I'm overstressed. Um, or, you know, another part is, okay, I just don't get the respect I deserve, right? I'm not just a, everybody sees me as, um, and I'm doing air quotes here, like quote unquote, uh, pers- just a personal trainer. Um, and, and that's not me. I'm a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur. It helped me get that respect that I deserve. So, you know, those are the people that we help. Um, we've got our various ways of helping them and, uh, how I got in this industry, um, well, I started off, I was a, a track athlete in, in college and actually started my first fitness business because I thought that would be an easy way to have, control my own schedule, uh, make a little bit of money while I continued my training uh, post-collegiately uh, to try to prepare for national championships, um, Olympic trials, and things like that. Um, I quickly found out that that was not an easy 
easy route, um, which I'm sure we'll get into. That, that's how I got into the industry. Okay. So, like, it's kind of interesting how you came into the industry because you got really into the direction of sales and marketing. And I'm kind of curious what made you kind of jump on that rather than, like, I'm just going to be, like, the operator and learn as much as I can about training and be the best trainer out there. So I think, you know, everybody goes through their especially if you are have if you start a business, right? if you're not just training for someone else, um, everybody goes through different phases in, in their business journey, right? You have to develop skills and competencies to succeed and get to that next level. Now, just like you do with training um, or with nutrition, you know, you, you've got a progression and there's a model there and it's the same thing in business. So um, that's to kind of set this whole thing up that, you know, like I said, I got into this um, as as someone who was just trying to you know, survive and do more of what I loved. Um, when that stopped, I took that same competitive nature that I had that allowed me to have any sort of success in track and field, and I took that and applied it towards business because I, otherwise I was it was gonna I was gonna be missing a huge piece of me. Right. And so I started to apply that and I'm going to aggressively compete against the trainers. I was subleasing space out of a, it was like a old 24 hour powerlifting gym, essentially. Um, so they had memberships and then trainers just paid to, to lease space there. So, hey, you know, I want to be better than all these other trainers. And so um, I did start off with just aggressively trying to educate myself and be the best trainer possible, reading everything I possibly could. Um, and I love just the, the process of training, you know, being an athlete. That's always been a big part of, um, you know, I could outwork people. If I didn't have the most talent in the area, I could outwork people in the, the weight room and be uh, stronger than them. And that would help me out in in my interest. So I wanted to help people do that. I went through this whole progression. And for people who don't know, I was a shot putter. And I know you, we had talked before about you know my own transformation, but I was a shot putter and discus thrower. So you know, I'm a, a fairly big guy, 6'4", uh, but at the time I was 335 pounds. And that really just wasn't going to hack it for training like general population fat loss clients. You probably get away with that a little bit with athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my, my athletic nature tended to, to carry a little bit of weight in the community that I was training in so, and my, my past successes there. Um, so I kind of went on my own journey with this and eventually, you know, it, it quickly became evident to me. And I told all that story because that's, I think, a, a path a lot of trainers go through, right? I get good at what I do, figure out who I really want to help, um, take what they're passionate about and kind of apply that to their clients. I, I did all those things. But I quickly realized if I didn't understand how to master the sales and marketing, I wasn't going to be able to survive. Nobody was feeding me clients. Um, if I didn't sell clients, if I didn't attract clients, if I couldn't get them to pay me, I wasn't going to be able to pay my own bills. I couldn't pay my own bills. I couldn't take care of myself. And that just wasn't a fun place for me to be. Um, so I can remember the days where um, starting out, like, I mean, I put everything on a credit card, just like, I mean, I was buying groceries on the credit card to see if going. I didn't have any support. Um, and looking, you know, like, I just can't do this. Like, how long can you, you keep this up? Like, 
how long can you you work these hours or struggle through this? So I just started absorbing sales and marketing information as fast as I could, like I did with the training. Um, and you know, I'm I'm a fast action taker, and so I literally just go learn something, go apply it, try it out, see what I could do. Um, and it started working, and you gained some momentum, a lot like you do in training, and, and picked up momentum. And you know that journey carried on. And once I had some success, you know, I'd outgrown that gym. I'd started a boot camp, um, one of the first boot camps in the community that, that I was in. I started out of a, a park first and moved it to a gymnastics studio that I rented space out of. And I just got to be too many clients, and that was the step to start my own facility. Um, and as I did that, you know, I think with everyone, you want to be – one of the things that matters most to us as humans is like some sense of importance, right? So I wanted some sort of recognition. Um, and I think I, I was just keen enough to understand that – there's a ton of experts out there for training and nutrition. And, you know, the fads and trends come and go. And I didn't have anything new to say for that. I, I had, you know, things that I learned from a lot of different people and applied to, to training clients and had some success there. And I think I was pretty good at what I did. But I didn't have anything new to say there. There was nothing there that made me think I could be the expert there. But what I did see was, not a lot of people were able to do the things I was able to do on the business side. And so, and I also saw, you know, there was a limited opportunity for me as a trainer. If all I did was learn how to be a better trainer. Um, and so I chased that opportunity. I, I saw that gap. Um, and that's really what led me to, to go to it. I thought I could be one of the best uh, business coaches, marketing people, sales experts in in the fitness industry. Maybe um, eventually I can be that for for more than just the fitness industry. But that's the path that I took, and it's kind of a long winding road. It was never the the vision um, when I started was to to be a guy that's known for marketing and sales. Um, that's just kind of how it ended up. Okay. Um, what was kind of the first couple of resources for sales and marketing that like you found that kind of opened your eyes and were like, holy crap, why haven't I been doing this earlier? Oh man, it's, uh, it goes way back to like the info product days when that was first coming out. And it was a resource from, there was a couple out there. One, was from my business partner, Nick Berry. Um, so business partner now, not at the time. Um, and I, I think it was just their sales system that they'd used to build up personal training and clubs and, and just kind of scripts to follow that. I don't even remember what the name of it was um, at the time. Another one was Jim LeBady. And I don't know if anyone else knows this. Like, it still remembers Jim. Um, the industry, he's not been in the fitness world for a long time, um, but he had, a, I think it was called boot camp in a box. And I used that like step-by-step -step system to launch my boot camp. Um, you know, those were two of the, the resources that kind of stand out for me. Um, in fact, I think I bought one of them twice um, <laughs> on accident and they emailed me and they're like, Hey, and I was like, well, that was my mistake. It's been valuable. That's fine. Just keep the money. I don't need to refund. Uh, so, you know, those are two that, that stood out. Now. I just I tried to absorb and consume it as much as I possibly could um, early on, which can be dangerous. Um, you know, uh, you do have to apply and you have to figure out what to do. And uh, But at the time, that's, that's what we had available in the industry was piecing this stuff together. Yeah, like I think um, 
you know, we just need more people like you in our industry because I feel like sometimes trainers kind of push aside the sales and marketing and business stuff. And even like I was at Perform Better at Long Beach this uh, past August and like every single speaker was about training and you only have Thomas Plummer that talks about business. And I'm like, that's a huge gap, right? Like, you know, if you're in the industry for say 10 years, kind of the same stuff keeps popping up over and over again and gets a little bit better with a different approach. But when it comes to business, it's such a small little thing. And I think a lot of coaches don't pay enough attention to it. Uh, it's, you're absolutely right. Um, and everybody out there, you can go petition Perform Better to, to get me on the tour next year. I'm <laughs> more than happy to, to present on any of this. Um, you're right. It is this like small niche thing. And it's uh, the only way I can relate it is the, the the trainers we work with, the, the fitness business owners, fitness professionals that we work with, like we do the same thing for them that, that trainers and fitness professionals do for their clients. We have to give you the structure and process to help you make those things easy, the business side of things easy, because you just don't want to do them. And I, I get it. Like People aren't passionate about the sales and marketing side of things. But the key is I think they just don't it's, – it's confusing. Number one, it's something that they don't understand fully um, and for no fault of their own. I mean, how many sales and marketing tips do they give you in your personal training certification? Um, I went through four years of school to be a fitness specialist. And I think I might have had one class and we kind of brushed over the what you could do, like how to make it a business. Um, and I think at the time it was really just like, if you can make 75 bucks an hour training people. And I mean, at the time you're kind of a gullible college kid and, um, you know, you don't think so when you're there looking back, it's like, Oh, that, that would be awesome. Um, and that's just not how it works. Like in most places, that's not what you, you make and it's not a full schedule and you don't have all those people. So, you know, you haven't ever learned this stuff when you come into the industry and you got to figure it out on your own and, who do I follow? Who do I trust? What do I do? Um, especially right now, it's noisy out there. There's everybody is an expert, right? Everybody's now a business coach and sharing like their things that made them successful. And I equate that to like for trainers, that's the like Instagram celebrity or it's the fit guy at the gym who starts giving your client advice. They have no qualifications. There's nothing that says you should be a coach or be sharing this information with anyone. Uh, but now it's easier than ever to get that. So now it's confusing. Um, and then when you try something and it doesn't work, uh, it's frustrating. And so I think about what I said there with that and just put business and then trade that for uh, training or nutrition. It's the exact same things that your clients experience when they're trying to get to their ultimate fitness goal. Um, and so, you know, there's this direct correlation, but I think the trainers are, they're too close to see that a lot of times. And, and that's why it, it becomes very challenging and, and even frustrating for, and it's frustrating for us as well. Um, because we see a lot of bad information out there that, just shouldn't be out there. But, um, you know, that's why I think everybody, the trainers out there listening now, they need to be, they need to filter the stuff that they're seeing. They need to be able to filter that and kind of have your BS uh, meter up on uh, very sensitive right now uh, because there is so much info out there. Yeah. Cause you see a lot of like Instagram trainers that are like 25 years old that are selling business mentorships. And it's like, well, what have you accomplished so far? Right? Like, 
I think if you were to hire a business coach, you kind of want to look at their track record first. Like I automatically always think of like Mark Fisher, like he's built an amazing business and that's who I follow when it comes to business advice. And he has that long list of books that you should read if you're going to have a gym or if you are a gym owner and compared to like somebody out on Instagram that has a lot of followers and you're like, oh, this person looks good. I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, and then even more so than that. And I love like I love Mark. Um, Mark was just at our event. We, we got a chance to hang out. They're doing awesome stuff. But even outside of the like they ran a successful business, then, you know, have they worked with other people that have done that? Do they have a system or did, did they just have success and they don't know why and they don't know how to teach it? Um, you know, I think that that's the next filter as well. But, yeah, you should look at a track record. Um, you've got to look into things. You know, one thing we'll do when people talk to us about coaching is we just connect them with other people. <laughs> if they're on the fence, if they aren't sure, here's a list of people. We'll connect you. I, you talk to them. Um, ask them what questions you see. Um, you know, and it's not the cherry picked testimonials that are out there of the, like, Hey, I made a million dollars on this last month by applying this one Facebook ad strategy. Um, these are the actual clients we work with and they're more than happy to talk to people and give them the, the good and the, maybe they're not so good and, and, uh, you know, third party opinion on it. And I mean, obviously I think our clients are probably going to talk us up. Um, but I want somebody to be able to talk to them be able to filter it through them and, and ask them the questions because, you know, we're not training our clients on, on how to do that and how to answer. We want it to be transparent. We want it to be truthful. We want to start that relationship out on a good foot. Um, so that's that next layer to filter through as well. Um, so if a gym owner or a coach approached you guys to hire you to help them on the business side, what's kind of the process? Like, do you like go into their gym or chat with them and kind of audit their whole business strategy and then figure out ways to kind of like fill out the missing links or like, how does it all work? So that's an awesome question. So the way it would work, would you come in and, um, you know, first you talk to someone and we'd identify like, is it a good fit? Uh, if we figured out it's a good fit and you had problems that weren't capable of solving, then, uh, what you do is you get started with the coach and we've got, you know, tons of resources um, behind the scenes that, that make implementation easy. The problem is you can't just dump those all in your lap and say, help you figure it out. So we take you through a quick assessment. Um, it's a, it's a quarterly business assessment. We do it with every coaching client, every single quarter, uh, you start out right away with us and it's to identify some red flags some big issues that you're having. Um, you know, we go through a questioning strategy with you so that we can figure out like what's, what's really causing the problems. And we're not looking at surface level. We're trying to dig into the numbers. Um, you know, we want to see what do your numbers look like? Maybe there's something that you don't even know is a problem um, in your business. And we can point that out. Like that's the huge, huge benefit of having a coach is to identify blind spots. Um, as, a, as a trainer, you just may not see those things or you're so close to your business, you might not see them. Uh, so we identify those blind spots. And what we do is we keep a long list of the issues and opportunities that you're facing in your business. And then we start to prioritize them and tackle them one by one. Um, a lot like you would with a client, you bring them in for an assessment, we figure out, you know, what's the most important thing we need to do right now. What's the biggest limiting factor to you having success and ultimately reaching your long-term goal. Let's solve that first. And then we just keep moving on. Um, and it's not that we avoid all of the other stuff in the business, but 
you know, we want to fix that, that biggest problem right now. So if it's a marketing issue, we've got to get a marketing plan and a marketing calendar ready for you. And you've got to be able to go out and, and attract new clients. Um, you know, if you're not converting people, you have to put a sales system in place. If you need to hire a team, we've got to put a hiring strategy and a hiring system in place so that you can bring on good team members. Um, so we assess where everybody is and, you know, there's, there's these various stages of fitness business ownership and at those stages, you know, you have different problems. There's a new set of challenges that are going to appear. Um, so we have to identify where they're at, uh, figure out what those problems are, and then put together the solutions to, to help them go away. Um, and that way we can just get on to tackle the next bigger set of problems that are inevitably going to come in, in the fitness business. So with the people that you work with, is there like a common trend of mistakes that almost everyone does? Or is it always something different? Oh man. Yes. So, um, common mistakes first is not learning how to sell. Uh, like, so the stages, the, the first stage in your business is, is we call sell, sell, sell. Like at first you just have to sell enough to survive. Right? You have to sell enough, get enough clients in so that you can survive. And you've got to make sure you're not missing the low hanging fruit. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, trainers in that stage. And if you don't develop the skills, it's going to become apparent later on, even if you get lucky um, and, and make it through that. And so, and I'm going to qualify this by saying like being good at what you do is just pay to play at this point. It's, it, you have to be able to deliver the results. You have to be able to deliver on your promises. You've got to be a good trainer. You're going to get smoked out pretty quickly right, right now. It's just too competitive of an industry. Um, so first thing, sell, sell, sell. If you don't develop those initial capabilities to sell, then you can't move to the next stage. Um, and then once we get to the next stage, it's market. You've got to be able to attract clients. Now you have to be able to bring in more clients. And if you can control the lead flow, the number of people coming into your business, that gives you an immense amount of control overall. That's like a superpower being able to market. Um, and you know, these skills can be used for good or bad. And that's the biggest mistake that trainers make is they look at marketing and sales as evil. There's this naturally we're like this altruistic industry, right? We just want to help people. And, but we're also a little bit vain and we're a little bit insecure. So I have this theory that the reason that fitness professionals and people in the fitness industry go at each other and they are so dogmatic is because we all got into this for some reason, because we're, we're a little bit insecure. We start training because we're insecure about our body or, you know, being too skinny or overweight or not happy with this. And that comes out if we don't deal with that. Um, and that probably is like a whole podcast and conversation in and of itself. But we have this like altruistic core to us, right? That's that our purpose. And for some reason, they think if they sell, it makes them a bad trainer. If you can market, it makes you bad. If they're just skills, they can be used for good or bad, right? Self-defense is a skill. It can be used by the wrong person to hurt people. It can also be used the right person at the right time to save their life. Sales and marketing are the same exact thing, right? If you're marketing well and you're selling something ethically, then it's very good. So you have to kind of get over that head trash. And, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, kind of the, the good old boy network in, in the fitness industry, the, the people that have, they've had to work for 20 years to get their name that have a little bit of animosity about 
somebody coming up relatively fast and having success fast because they learn those skills. And I think that holds us back a little bit, but it probably goes into every industry. So that's the first piece. The next piece is you really don't have any business sense when you're, you're coming into training. Like, you know, you might understand kind of what it takes to run a business, but you haven't developed any skills or competencies that make you a great business person. And as you start to market and sell, now you have to go beyond yourself. If you don't, you get trapped as a victim of your own success. And now you've got, you know, a bunch of clients, you're overworked and you can't keep up with it. You can't take the vacation. You're stressed out. You're burnout. You can't deliver the service that you want to because, and the level of service that you want to, because you're always tired. I said, now what do I do? And so you have to learn how to create systems. You've got to structure things and, you know, systems might mean being able to automate stuff. Maybe it's delegate and, you know, at some point you have to hire people, but, you know, the systems alone will create some structure to free up time and you've got to learn how to do that and be okay with that. And then you've got to learn how to manage. Um, and, and that's a big one. That's a big hiccup for a lot of people in this, um, that fitness pros in our industry is they don't learn how to develop management skills and they try to move out of that phase too fast. So what I mean by that is they don't learn how to get results through other people. They bring in people. It's the like revolving wheel of trainers and administrative assistants and front desk people that go through gyms all the time. They don't learn how to keep people around and develop a great culture. They don't learn how to manage them and get results out of them because they've never had to do that with anyone else. And they've never had anybody show them how to do that because you started your own business. So you probably were a really crappy employee anyway when you were an employee. <laughs> um, and that's why you started your own business. Um, most of us that do that are bad employees. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you haven't had anybody show you how to, to be good at, at managing other people. And then when you get people in there and things start to go well, what typically happens is you try to move out of that phase a little too quickly. You don't stay there and make sure it's good, and then stuff falls apart. Um, and that's where you see people like constantly putting out fires, constantly dealing with the same old problems, a lot of employee turnover. Um, or you know the business can really suffer when you go to move on to do this next thing. And, and the like, examples would be, hey, I'm going to start this second facility. Um, you know, I just hired my first team. Now I'm going to go start my second facility or second location. And they have not proven yet that they can make the one location run without them there. Um, and so I think those are those are some of the biggest mistakes. And you know, we talked about a lot there. So I'll, I'll shut up now. Let you ask more questions or dive in deeper. Um, I was just going to say, like, it just popped in my head. Like, what do you think of partnering with a business partner? That's the complete opposite of the coach that could actually run the business while the coach does what he's good at or she's good at on the gym floor. Cause this example I've seen, um, Jonathan Goodman talked about this where, you know, if you're that kind of, you know, coach that's really into the training that wants to open up a gym it might be a good idea to have someone that's the complete opposite of you that enjoys marketing and sales and being the manager and actually one of my buddies well two of them from high school they started a barber shop one who one of them uh, cuts the hair and the other one just runs the business by himself mm-hmm. and they have such a good kind of flow going back together and now they've been in business for a year and they have four more barbers working underneath both of them and their business is just like booming. They have like a three week waiting list now. And I'm like, that's another good example of like two business partners from two different worlds come together and just crushing it. So business partnerships are, they're touchy. <laughs> you know, it's tricky. It's, I always tell people when they do this, I'm like business partnerships are 
harder to get out of than a marriage and more expensive. And, you know, and people are kind of like, what? And it's not that I'm like pooping on marriage or anything like that, but it's, it can be more expensive, more time consuming, um, and more difficult than, than a marriage. Anybody that is married knows it's a lot of give and take and compromise, and, but that's essentially what you're doing with this person. I think a lot of people jump to business partnerships too soon. I think they jump there because they're trying to compensate for something that they don't have now, and they think this other person is going to be a quick fix for it. Um, and so if that's the reason, I think it's a bad idea. If you can find the right type of person and the right structure and set things up well from the get-go, then it can be very successful. A lot of times what ends up happening in a partnership is um, two people come in and they're bringing different sets of skills. So I always look at them, I'm going to bring a partner and what do I need? Well, they have to, they have to bring something to the table that I don't have to get equity in the business. And so that might mean uh, knowledge that they have. It might mean skills that they have. Maybe it's money and capital that they have. And I just can't get that any other way. So, you know, that's three examples of what they might have. Inevitably, if things aren't set up early on, then, People end up, one partner always feels like they're doing more work than the other in, in many partnerships. And that's where the tough part is. The trainer, the one that's always doing the coaching and that, they think, well, without me, they wouldn't have this business and there's nothing to sell and it doesn't really matter. And I'm doing all the work. I'm always on the floor and this person's working a nine to five running the business. And then the, you know, the other business partner might think, well, I'm the one running all this. This is all fall apart. If it wasn't for me, I should make more money. Um, I think it's really, really important to differentiate this. There is a difference between business partnerships and owning that business and the equity and then the roles that you each play in your business. The ownership portion, the equity that you have can be set up any way you want it to be. And it's all based off of what somebody's bringing to the table. So, and this is from someone that's had a lot of partnerships, uh, a lot that maybe didn't go great. And then some that, you know, right now, Nick and I, it works it works out really, really well. And we have a good understanding that there's a difference. There's, we have a business partnership and we are partners in, in businesses together. And we each have an equitable share of those businesses. But our shareholder responsibilities and that role that we play is different than the roles that we play inside of the businesses. And so, for example, I'm a business owner and I'm an entrepreneur as a shareholder. When I show up at Fitness Revolution every day, and it's hard to separate yourself from this, Nick's our CEO. He's responsible for certain things that I, you know, what a lot of people would assume as the business owner that you would be responsible for. I trust that he's running our company. He's doing the things a CEO does and needs to do to make our company run well. And then my role is as our, you know, I'm our VP of sales and marketing, and I'm also our executive director for Fitness Revolution, which means I'm the I'm kind of the face of the company. Uh, I'm the one out. I do the interviews like this. I do write a lot of our posts. And it's not that Nick's behind the scenes all the time, but there are different roles there. And the key is we could, either one of us could be replaced in those roles at any time. And we could hire someone in to do that. Um, I could ascend into something different. Maybe I take over Nick's role and he moves on to something else like that we've had opportunities where we've had to assess that. Hey, this is a big opportunity. Nick might need to move out of the CEO role or Ryan's next up to potentially look at that. What was that? What would that look like? 
Um, and so the key there is we have roles in the business. We're paid based off of those roles. Like the compensation is there, what our responsibilities are there, and they're separate from our shareholder roles. If you can do that as a business owner and clearly define that, then it can be really good, right? Because you can own part of the business and just be like, I just want to train and hire a general manager. And that general manager may be or may not be your partner. Um, so that's a long way of describing like how I think a good business partnership works. Um, and there's also the you know personalities and the culture and values and all this that have to align um, really well. And they're a lot of work. But I think a lot of people jump to that too soon instead of saying, like, hey, you know, if I was starting a fitness business again, um, I would just take on – I'd just go make sure I'm the business owner. Um, I would probably put myself in like a GM or CEO role of that, and I'd hire the trainers. Uh, but if I'm just really want to be a trainer, I might sit at the sit inside of the like owner role, but then be the like director of training. Um, but then I might say, hey, I'm going to go hire someone and just pay them what they should be paid to run this business. They can do all the other stuff. Um, and that is an option if, you know, the, the pieces are all there and the revenue is there. I just think you, you don't have to jump right to business partnerships. And, you know, the stories you told were obviously the successful ones. And then for every one of those, there's 10 horror stories that, um, I mean, I probably have two calls a week with fitness professionals who are on a call um, and they're bitching about like, their partner or the troubles they're having with it or something's not working out. Um, so you just have to be very careful going into it. It's not that it's, again, it's not the partnership itself isn't good or bad. Um, but don't do it because it's not like the savior for your business and it's not going to make necessarily make it easier either. Um, so with the partnerships that went sour for you, what was kind of like the tipping point where you're like, okay, I need to cut the cord and get out of this relationship. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't know that any of them were like sour. Right. Okay. Um, I'm, and that's not, not the direction that I necessarily, I don't want to portray that out there at all. I think with a lot of them, it's just it, the business changes, right? Um, and even people change. So your values can adapt and unfold. And so when visions and values uh, unfold like that and, and things shift in the industry, there's people are inevitably going to need to go different directions. So, and the question was like, how did I know when it was time to part ways? Right. Uh, yes, sorry. Okay. Now I was like totally lost track on it. That's, <laughs> that's, um, so, well, so with the, when I sold my, my training business, when I had, a, I had a studio and it was doing well, everything was good. Um, you know, at that point I was the initiator of this and it would you probably, if you talked to the other person, they may say like, if they may say I was the problem and, and that may be the case. Right. But what happened was I, I didn't have any more to do there. I didn't have any more to give. Um, and my, my passion and my vision and where I thought I could have the biggest, uh, biggest sense of impact on our industry was in moving to do fitness revolution and what we do now full time. I needed to give it all of my attention, everything I had, that was what I was going to go all in on. And so, you know, we had some critical decisions. We were at a pivotal point in that business 
And um, you know, long story short, we had to move facilities. Um, it wasn't really going to be a choice to stay in the location we were at now. And if I was going to stay, I wanted to downsize. I wanted to create some systems, like, you know, really modify, optimize our systems, um, narrow down the business, not really work on bigger is better. I wanted to be more profitable. I just kind of wanted it to be a cash machine for me. Uh, while still providing a good service to the clients, right? But I didn't want it to be pulling my attention all the time with problems and things that just happen when you have a big staff, when you have you know a big facility and all this overhead to take care of. That's the direction I wanted to go. Then there was the other direction, and my partner wanted to go a lot bigger um, and a newer facility, and, and I really wasn't on board with that. I didn't want to commit to that, and so... Now I'd said, okay, it's cool. Like you can go that route. This that's what that's fine. But I want out, um, and I want to be able to to focus all my attention here. So then we had to work through that whole process of what that looks like, what's it worth, do all those things, um, and that stuff gets messy no matter what. Right? It's you, you be as cordial, and you are you try to maintain a professional relationship through the whole thing, so that everybody you can just eliminate the emotion from it because it's your business, it's your baby. Everyone's going to have some emotions tied to it. Um, so, you know, I I was happy with the end result. I think he was happy with the end result. He's doing well from from what I can tell. In fact, you know, I stepped away from the gym for I went back in and trained at that gym. Once he had his new place open. Um, and so, you know, that's how I knew then it was a difference in vision for me. And, and they I'd stepped out enough that that gym had taken on a little bit of its own direction. And rightfully so, the people that were doing the things they were supposed to do that I brought in to do those things. They had a little different message and my skill set wasn't needed anymore. And I didn't want to be a silent partner in the business and can't keep ownership and just step away um, I, because there was always the potential to pull it back in. And so that's when I knew that that, that was time to cut it off um, and move in a different direction. Um, and so with other partners that we've had, some of it's been just like a, hey, it's just kind of similar thing. Right? I, we're not aligned as much as we need to be anymore. Hey, I want to focus on these other opportunities. So let's talk about that. Um, and, and we navigate all those, those issues. You know, we've had, we used to own part of Resistance Band Training. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dave Schmitz and ResistanceBandTraining.com, but he's like the go-to guy for band training. And we just own part of that. And at a point, we realized that resistance band training needs to go on its own. Um, it needed to, Dave needed to be able to control all of that to get it to where, to what he wanted it to be there. And so, you know, that was a, a mutual decision to go, go different directions. And we're still maintaining that relationship. So it doesn't all have to be bad and it's, you know, not all sour or bad situations. Yeah, I think you, the big thing you said is that, you know, values and visions will change as you grow as an individual. So it shouldn't be a bad thing. It's just, you know, you're looking at two different directions. So you got to go in the direction that's going to benefit you the most. And same thing with the other person. Yeah. And I think, you know, I always hesitant on the values change because I think people just have their values. But I think if you mature and you go through the, both as a business owner and then as a person, um, your values become more evident and, and you really secure them and you mold them. Um, and so, 
You know, I always kind of wonder about that. And I'd be interested in your perspective too. It's like, you know, do people just have values and maybe they don't know what they are. Um, and then, you know, they were more secure later. Uh, but yeah, those, those things are the ones that really ultimately that make that decision. And there are other instances I'm sure where, you know, obviously if you have somebody that's doing something unethical or that, then there's a whole different stories to go into, um, you know, with splitting on a business partnership, but um, I don't think any of ours have been like really never been nasty um, or you know really super sour overall. Okay, um, I kind of wanted to shift into online coaching because now that's a really big thing, and almost every coach out there is trying <laughs> to shift into that. And I wanted to get your opinion about it. Like, what have you seen that's worked? What have you seen that's just ridiculous? Like, what's your whole opinion about it? You can get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> so um, I'll say I don't know very many people that have had any success with online training. Uh, maybe I, maybe that's just not the people that I attract. Um, I'm not sure, but uh, you're right. Everybody thinks that's the next thing, right? That that's the place to go. And so the biggest misconceptions I think are people think that it's going to make things easier. People think that. They're going to be able to like, I, it's like, I don't know any other way to say this, but it's just like, they think they're going to be able to like run their business in their underwear from anywhere. Right. <laughs> like that, that's what they think. It's like, Oh, well, online, I can go so much easier. A lot of times they're trying to save themselves because they, for some reason, can't make the in-person training work. Whether it's a marketing thing or something, that's typically what I'm seeing. It's struggling trainers trying to, to get there. Um, I think I personally only know one person who I've helped that's had success with online training. And he did it because he had a passion for fitness. Um, he's a single dad and he was taking care of his son and he was working a full-time job to make sure he could do that. And moving to like going into training was not an option for him at the time. And so he started training some clients um, and educating himself. And he kind of went by the seat of his pants um, and he, he made it work, right? And he built up like close to six-figure online training business. And he's training like some NBA stars, some high-profile people now. And he had success. He's the exception, not the rule. Like he's the one that I can't figure out what worked. I could probably tell you, but I don't know if anybody could replicate exactly what he did. Um, and so here's what I think is working. Um, I think that people coming in and wanting to scale their, their current businesses to online to make a little bit of extra money without having to spend the time in the gym um, and be in trade time for dollars with that. I think that, you know, what's working is when they, tr when they just go ahead and try to take on their local market first. Everyone wants to go on to Facebook, set an ad up, run an online training program and spend $10 a day to get new clients. And that's just not going to happen. Um, you can't have a just big, massive market like that. Uh, I, if I'm coaching people to do this, I would take them and say, hey, go to your network first. Like, Use every other channel that I would suggest to grow your in-person business and get 50, 10 to 15 clients in your local community paying you 100 bucks each a month to train them online. And there you go. You make an extra 1000 to $1,500. Uh, but it's not like this super secret Facebook ad strategy or any of that stuff. 
it's going to build it up. That's just going to make things tougher. Um, and I think, you know, I've been through pieces of John's, uh, Jonathan Goodman's, you know, fundamentals of online training and online training, sir. He's the one that I'll promote um, and support because I think he teaches it the right way. If somebody's going to teach it. Um, it's the, Hey, I just want to make an extra thousand bucks. And if something turns into something else, great. And he's got some really good strategies for it. Um, you know, it's just not something we look at. I have one coaching client that I work with who, um, you know, we've got his gym set up now where he's doing, um, you know, he hit a PR this last month. He was 47,000 a month in his gym. Um, and you know, we've constantly been increasing that oh, through this month. He hit his annual client goal that he wanted to get to for the year. He hit it in May. And so we could, we're able to shift focus and then hire some staff and get a GM in place to free up his time. And now, just now, our focus, you know, nine months later is on he's setting up the online program that he's going to create to help people in his community. Um, and he's going to have his wife come on to run that and help. And their goal is to get to a certain amount so that she can replace her revenue and then do this full time. And that's the path to take, right? He's already had success. He's already proven this. He's not doing it to make ends meet. He's now got this business that provides him the awesome life that he wants and he wants to do a little bit more. This is his next project. And so he's doing this. It's not a survival mechanism. This is a, Hey, I can have a bigger impact and I'm going to set it up and do it right. I don't have to do it right away. Um, we can take our time with it. I think that's the right way to go about it. Um, and now I'm probably not winning over a ton of fans right now with, with saying that, but I just don't think that there's anything wrong with being able to run, a really good brick and mortar fitness studio or boot camp and, and run that business. I think that the, the upside to that is a lot easier and can be higher than the online world. And trust me, cause we do all that's where my world is right now. And it's hard. There's a lot of competition out there. Um, so I just don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Like, you know, that's not the, the clearest path to success now uh, with everything. Yeah, like I think the coaches that like I follow that run successful online businesses, they didn't like just come out and like, all right, I'm doing online training now. They all kind of started at a gym. They had a strong following online and people actually just went up to them and said, hey, do you coach online? And they're like, oh, I never thought of that. Maybe I should start that. And then slowly, you know, their client lists start building online and now maybe they do 10 hours in person and the rest of the hours online. Or if they have a big enough following, they go completely online. But it's not as easy as it seems with all the people promoting that they're this awesome online coach. Yeah, and you know, that goes back to that, like with so many coaches and gurus out there sharing, you know, their advice right now. It's hard to see what's what's true and what's not. Not very many people are transparent um, about what's going on, and uh, that's unfortunate. Um, and we try to be as transparent as we possibly can with, with everything about about our businesses. And you know, I think that's one thing that sets us apart. But I think you're absolutely right. Like, nobody just starts off and yeah, hey, I'm doing 10k a month in online training because I ran a Facebook ad and sent a post up on Instagram. Um, so I was going to get your opinion about social media, like what content is the most sticky that, you know, people will pay attention to, or what have you seen that's worked with the people that you worked with? Uh, so, uh, consistency is key. I think you've got to, 
I'm not 100% sure if you need to be everywhere um, right now with everyone. Uh, I think if time is an issue, pick your platform and then try to dominate it. Uh, but then scale out and step to, to other areas. Um, I think you need to know where your audience is. Um, so, you know, are they on Facebook? Are they on Instagram? Um, and each platform has its own, a little bit of its own purpose, right? There's it's probably things that are, get a little more traction. Um, so right now, the things I'm seeing for fitness professionals, uh, video, uh, and, and this is not just fitness professional. And you can Google this, look it up, whatever. I don't know what the exact stats are, uh, but like video is the next thing, right? It's going to be most of the content out is going to be video. Um, everybody has a now video camera, you know, in their pocket at all times in their phone. So it's really easy to do that. So um, our most successful people, uh, that comes to mind, William Savoy of Savoy Fitness. He was our 2017 high performing business owner of the year. Um, he, he's dominating social media in his areas and he does a mixture of video, um, like pictures of sessions going on. Uh, he has new clients introduce, introduce themselves via video and he's, but he's just everywhere all the time. Like if you're in his area, you're probably going to see something about Savoy Fitness, and he does a good job of branding his brand, you know, with the color schemes and authenticity of his brand and the message um, through all of his posts. And so, you know, he's just very, very active out there. And I think that's the key is the consistency, um, the the rotation. I think you know, anytime you get pictures, I think that's why Instagram is, you know, so so popular now is it's pictures it's engaging right people don't want to read our attention spans are shorter and so we want to do that but if you can get a video that seems to engage people um so i think social media is incredibly important right now i think you'll continue to see it um i think that you'll continue to find that the best trainers the best business owners out there will have a a good sized following on their Instagram or Facebook or social media um, social media accounts. Um, but I'm definitely not. I, I don't know everything about social media. I'm constantly learning, and it's changing so fast that uh, it's hard to keep up. <laughs> yeah, like I think the big one is just being consistent because like it's like another job like that's why a lot of companies are now hiring social media coordinators to do it for them because it's like yeah you can take a bunch of photos and videos but then you have to like sit down write out like the copy for the post and make sure especially on instagram to make it all spaced out properly if you're going to write in there put in the right hash it takes it takes time it takes a lot of time it, it absolutely does i will not dispute that um and, you know, I guess it goes back to your, your overall marketing strategy. I think you have to be out there. And, um, you know, so much of it is like a lot of it's very calculated um, and maybe it should be. Uh, but I think the people that are very, they get a following early on, they get some traction. It's the authenticity of it, right? It's them being them and that's what attracts people to them. Um, and so, you know, I think don't spend so much time early on, especially um, trying to figure out exactly what to do for everything, kind of get in and learn it. And, you know, it's a lot like training in, or nutrition with your habits, right? Just get in the habit of saying, I'm going to post three times a day. And it's going to be hard at first to hit all three times, potentially, if you're not doing anything or you're sporadic. But 
you know, if you post three times a day, you do that consistently, it'll get easier and easier and easier. And then you, you basically, it's like anything in marketing, you measure it. So you track like how many, what's my goal for doing this? Is it to get more followers, which if you don't have a following, maybe that is the, the case early on. Um, and so to get more followers, okay, every week, am I getting more followers? Am I getting more people to follow me? Um, what am I doing to interact and engage? Um, you know, you just set up these habits and the things that you do and then you track it, see if it's working. If it's working, you figure out how I can optimize it. If it's not working, okay, can I shift anything to optimize it? And then you repeat the process over again. Um, I mean, that's just marketing in general. That's, that's how you should approach it. And especially if you're going to do it on social media. Perfect. Uh, I just wanted to shift gears because then we're already coming out to an hour, but I'm really curious about your experience when you did the PN coaching and had that amazing transformation. Like what was the whole purpose behind that? And just explain your experience. Oh man, I don't, I don't remember why I signed up for <laughs> leaning. Um, I don't know if they don't, they don't call it leaning eating. I don't think anymore. Um, but you know, I know John and you know, I've been a follower of PN since forever, since I started training people. Um, so I've kind of seen their progression. I really appreciate what they do as a business. Um, you know, I'm always kind of trying to hack things, right? I've, I've done it through, I don't know if you're just familiar with the like velocity diet from T nation yeah. uh, forever. That's how I initially started my weight loss journey. That's how I got from like 330 to 275. I did that. So I'm kind of open to trying crazy stuff or just doing these things to try it out. Um, and I've done just about everything. Most of it probably pretty bad for me. Um, and you know, I got into that program. I think I was just looking to like, Hey, I needed something to kind of get me to, to boost back to where I, I wanted to be. Um, you know, I needed to have a purpose. Well, I just kind of drug my feet through it. I kind of went through the program and, um, it was, I remember it was in around January. Um, it's about the halfway point of the program. And I had had some success, but just kind of like, I was kind of up and down waves, like really slow progress. And, I don't really, I don't know what it was that made me do it, but I just kind of turned on my, my competitive nature. I think I just got sick of seeing the, cause then we can take a before and after or a, a picture. Um, I think it's every week, uh, maybe every month. Um, and I think I just got sick of my like, God, this is like, I look the same. This is ridiculous. And so I just emailed my coach out of the blue and I was like, Hey, just let you know, I'm going to win this thing. And he gave me the like canned response. They're really polite. Like, Hey, yeah, sure. You are. Good job. There's a, but remember, there's a lot of people making good progress in this. And I, I think that kind of got under my skin. I was like, oh, I didn't think I can do it. Um, and so from that point on, I had six more months in the 12 month program. I was going to do anything and everything I could to get there. Um, and I didn't really know what the end point was going to be, but I knew I was going to give it everything I had and I was going to do whatever I could to win. Um, and I, I got further than I thought possible. Um, you know, I think I was about 234 when I started that program, when I probably about the same, maybe like 230 when I, when I made the decision to like, Hey, I'm going to win this. I know by March I was just under 220 and took a, like a test photo shoot to see where I was, how I looked on camera. And then from March to the end of June, I think is when it ended. Um, I mean, I know the photo shoot day I was 207. Um, 
you know, and I was, I looked like I looked in that picture for about two hours. Um, it was definitely like a total like photo shoot prep. Um, but I just needed something to really kick me in gear and a contest like that and committing to it and putting it out there. And then I told a bunch of people about it and then I'd put my foot in my mouth and said, I'm going to win this thing. Now I had to go do it. Um, it was probably the hardest thing I've one of the hardest things I've ever done, um, especially physically to, to get there. It was an insane amount of commitment. I don't think I realized what I went through at the time. I just, I'm a guy that when he commits to something like that, put my head down and do what I'm supposed to do. I hired a bodybuilding physique uh, prep coach, um, in the last three months to help me get to that physique. Cause I, my coach that I was working with at PN wasn't that wasn't their specialty. So I went and found this other coach and they knew I was working with them. And, you know, I used them to get to that point. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what the motivation was. Other than I was kind of sick and tired. And I wanted to see if I could do it. Um, and then when a couple other people said, like, kind of gave me the, I'm not sure you could do it either. Um, that was enough of a motivation to be like, oh, okay, watch this. Like, you know, I'm the guy that's like, you know, somebody does something and I'm like, Oh, I hold my beer. I'll watch this <laughs> and I'm going to go try to do it. Um, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing overall, but that's kind of the reason why. Okay. Yeah, like everyone's a, an individual when it comes to weight loss and crushing goals. But I think a big thing for me, I was like wondering is how did you make it a priority when you have so many other things happening in your life? Because I find like clients, sometimes they won't put fitness and health as a priority and they kind of just leave it on the back burner and hope for the best. I think it's a lot of it's figuring out um, it's solving a pain, right? Um, and I'm going to go a different direction and say, I'm like, find your why. Cause I think that's, that's a big part of it. You have to know why you want to do something or what's the purpose behind it. Um, but I think if you can, you know, always kind of keep the, what pain is this providing or what pleasure does this provide somebody? Why am I really doing this? Cause a lot of clients would come to, to you to say, you know, um, they're dealing with something inside. It's more than just not being happy with their weight or the health thing. And that's such surface level. I think it's a lot deeper than that. When you can dig into that and figure out how to make that stuff a priority. I don't think that um, most people should do the things that I did to make that a priority. I mean, I had some things going for me. I ran my own business. I owned a gym at the time. So I had unlimited access to any of the equipment that I needed. I was traveling a lot. Um, but I, you know, I worked at home when I wasn't at the gym. So that really wasn't an issue. I could kind of leave for my cardio and do my walks in the morning. There's a lot of things that fell in my favor, uh, but there's also a lot of sacrifices I made. Like, Hey, I'd have to run a mastermind meeting, but not go to lunch with everyone. So I packed my lunch and I didn't get cardio and I had to go get cardio and at lunch. Um, there's a lot of those sacrifices I made. For me, it was I committed to doing something, and this is what I was supposed to do, so that was what I was going to do for a period of time, but there's absolutely no way it was sustainable, um, and I don't think people should have to commit to that, um, but for me, it was about uh, – it was it, it's tied into my values. I committed to something. I'm going to do it, um, and two, it was it's something – it was providing me something that motivated me enough to do that when I could have been doing other things, um, and part of it is just I'm, I'm super stubborn. Um, and so that's the way it was going to be. Um, but you know, the, for other clients, I think it's about, you know, connecting it back to the reason that they're really doing this. Um, they have to understand that what they're going to get out of doing the thing that they don't want to do or the, or uh, eliminating or giving up the thing that they really want to do. 
they have to understand that the outcome of that is bigger and better and going to provide them more than that one thing would do um, in that immediate moment. Um, and so much of it is about keeping um, a momentum going. I mean, it's the old Jerry Seinfeld thing with writing jokes. Like, how do you get better at it? You write jokes every day. I mean, I'm sure everybody's heard that before. Um, you know, so the reason that people check off habits on a calendar to keep a track, like you keep that string going. And after a while, it becomes easier and easier um, to get things to, to make those things a priority for you. So um, I'm not sure if I answered your question exactly, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, they've got to understand that the outcome is greater than any immediate pleasure or, um, or better than, you know, the pain that they're going to have to go through at that point in time. They have to understand that, that that'll come and go, but the, the outcome that they're looking for, that's the prize at the end. No, that was good. And I think uh, that's a good place to leave it off and ask you the final last question. Where can people find you online? And if you have any projects going coming out or speaking engagements, you can just plug away. All right. So the best place to, to find us online, if you want to go to our site, you can go to frnation.com. And that's where all of our free content downloads are. You can learn about more about what we do um, as a company. Um, I am on, you know, I'm on social media and, and Facebook, Instagram. Uh, those two are are probably the most prominent. I think anything goes to Twitter, probably just like a post over from Instagram. Um, RT Ketchum, I believe, is my Instagram handle, and I think it's the same for for Facebook. Uh, it should be pretty easy to find me um, on there. And uh, those are the primary places you can find me in speaking engagements. Let's see. Um, well, October, I know I'm at the NSCA uh, PT Con. Uh, two, two presentations there, one on sales, one on marketing. So if anyone is out there, uh, look forward to seeing you there. And, and you know, introduce me. Tell me uh, that this is where you heard about it. And I'm happy to connect with anyone. Awesome. So thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. Uh, my pleasure, Rafael, and it was. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I've obviously got a, a pretty cool thing going on here, so I'm honored to be a guest. All right, so that's going to wrap up episode 70. Seven zero, guys. Thank you so much for supporting the show. It's been going so well, and I've been chatting with so many great people. And I wanted to thank you so, so, so much for supporting the show. And I can't wait till we hit 100 episodes, 200 episodes, 300 episodes, and just make this thing, you know, one of the best podcasts out there about fitness and health. So just please, 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 please help me out and share this podcast, you know, like it on Facebook, you know, send it to a friend, send it to a family member, share it. You know, talk to other coaches, talk to other people that are interested in fitness that would benefit from listening to this. And if you have any feedback, let me know. You know, send me an email, hit me up on social media. I'm more than happy to reach back and tell you what's up. And thank you for listening to the show. And let's see where this goes for another 70 episodes. And we'll uh, catch you guys all back next week.